What do you want to be when you grow up? is a quite simple question which we have all been asked at least once in our life. As a five-year-old boy, John Lennon, an English singer, songwriter and peace activist, was asked by his teacher, John, what do you want to be when you grow up? John answered, happy. His teachers claimed that John did not understand the question. And John claimed that teachers did not understand life. Positive psychology researchers are now actually confirming the validity of his response. We should aim for happiness first to enable us to reach our success. For instance, Sean Acor is the world's leading positive psychology expert who confirms that our recipe for successful career has been backwards. We have been told all our lives that when we are successful, then we'll be happy. But in fact, the research shows that increased level of happiness leads to greater career success. Why is that? And how can we be happier in work then? I was asked this question by Rachel Gilfrin, founder of Rachel Harriet Coaching. Rachel is a confidence coach, mentor, and a podcast host who is working with ambitious women to grow their confidence and propel their careers. So guess what? This episode is a little bit different than usual. Instead of of me interviewing a guest as part of End Happiness, you will hear Rachel interviewing me about happiness at work as part of her podcast, Achieve With Me. In the podcasting world, this is something known as an episode swap. But you don't need to do anything special. Just relax and enjoy. Hello, my ambitious ladies, and welcome back to another episode of the Achieve With Me podcast. Now, today's episode is going to be all about a topic that we hear spoken about quite a lot, but actually don't necessarily do the personal reflection to find out where we really are within this area. And what we're going to be talking about is happiness. Happiness is something that everybody strives for above everything else. But our interpretations of what happiness should look like are often very different. And that is why I have invited a special guest today to talk to us all about happiness. I'm so excited today to welcome Claudia Michur. Claudia is a work psychologist and a learning and development specialist. Claudia also hosts an award-winning podcast called And Happiness, which explores the science behind happiness, which is absolutely fascinating. And Claudia actually began this all from a place throughout the pandemic when she felt that actually looking at happiness in itself was hugely important above all else. I am sure you're going to get so much from today's episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. Hello, everyone. I'm so, so excited. We're talking about happiness, my favorite topic. (laughs) And if you could pick a favorite topic, what a wonderful one this would be. So I love to hear that. So obviously, I've done a little bit of an intro surrounding what you're doing, but I think it would be really interesting for the listeners if you could share a little bit about your career path today and how you've become a specialist in happiness. Sure. So my background is psychology. I've been always really interested in the topic of why are we the way we are humans. And I specialized in occupational psychology. So that is the psychology of organizations of work. 
And from there, I took on various roles in terms of training, project management, uh, learning and development. But all of these roles had one thing in common is how we can be happier at work. We spend so much time at work that it would be nice if we are happy there. And really, that's my purpose in my role to very much concentrate on building happy organizations. In between my journey, I also started, as you mentioned, Unhappiness Podcast, and it was very much a scientific exploration of what is happiness. Because from my experience, happiness is very abstract, but there is so much interesting science that we can delve into. Yeah, I think that's that's a great introduction and there definitely is so many different elements of it and so many things that affect it as well. And I love the fact that you have a specific interest in the science behind happiness. Now, throughout this podcast, I've had quite a few different guests on talking about different elements of things and some of the areas that we've discussed have been areas that kind of touch on a bit more of the spiritual side. And I think that so many people are really interested in actually, you know, the facts, the science behind things. So it's fantastic that you've got that expertise that you're able to share. So obviously specializing in, you know, occupational psychology and looking at how people can spend so much time at work, but not necessarily be happy. If we look at this holistically, Why do you think, Claudia, that so many people struggle with happiness overall? So we know from science that we humans suffer from a phenomenon called happiness paradox. So here we go, Rachel, I'm going to ask you a question, okay? Uh, And the question is, imagine that a genie appears in front of us, very unlikely, but you know, we can hope for the best. And he says, okay, Rachel, you have three wishes and I'm going to grant you those three wishes. What would you wish for? Oh, well, I I think that I would almost wish to collapse time to get towards my goals quicker. So I have a lot of goals around, you know, my business, having more of an impact, but ultimately all of those things, which is probably where you're going with this, support me being happy and content in my life. Yes, absolutely. So when we ask uh, people this question, we as humans will respond, okay, we want more health, we want more love, fame, money, success, you name it. But why we want ultimately those things? We want those things because we want to be happy. So this is happiness paradox. That is, we perceive happiness as the ultimate goal in our life. But along the way, we tend to devalue it and we stop concentrating on being happy and rather we start concentrating on kind of gathering an achievement of all of those conditions to be presumably happy. And the reason for that is that conventional wisdom says that once we are successful, once we have certain conditions met, then we will be happy. But we actually know from research that the opposite is true. So if you are happy, then you are more likely to be successful. So people who are having a high level of happiness 
They will be having better relationships. They will live longer. They will have better health. They will perform much better in their jobs. But again, that's get missed. That's get missed. We know we want to be happy, but we believe that we first have to fulfill all these conditions and tick our bucket list before we can reach happiness. Yeah. It's backwards really, isn't it? The whole thing. I think... um... We're so often focused on that goal, but but not the journey. And I hear this so frequently. And I think if I were to reflect on sort of what you've just shared and, and that concept of, you know, enjoying the journey versus striving for the goal, I suppose, the question that would come to my mind would be, how? How do I begin to face into almost detaching myself from the outcome I'm going for and just enjoying the here and now do you have any advice for that so it's very much more concentrating on building your happiness every day Mm. and happy people have happiness boosting habits so that means they engage in certain habits daily to increase the level of happiness because they understand that increased level of happiness will bring more success in their life. And there is no really magic in this. It's pure psychology. That is, our brain performs much better when we are in a positive mood than we are in a negative or neutral mood. So when it comes to simple things like your memory, attention, all the cognitive skills that we daily use to solve our life challenges, to engage with people, to perform at work, are boosted if we are happy. Mm. And there is loads of different research about lots of different type of habits that you can be engaging with. I think a top one that is very well researched and is the most powerful is gratitude. Mm. So gratitude, daily gratitude has a just enormous impact on boosting positive emotions for our brain. Because we suffer from negativity bias as humans. That is from evolutionary perspective. Of course, concentrating on potential risk and threats and negative emotions made sure that we survived in a very tough environment. So our brain automatically concentrates on what may go wrong and all the risk and threats and challenges. That is just a bias we have. We, it's really difficult to fight it. It's something that's how our brain is wired. As I mentioned, comes from evolutionary history that we have. But we can balance that with the gratitude. And gratitude is one of those happiness-boosting habits that can help us to build happiness every day, to help our brain to perform better with that positive mood. Oh, fantastic. And I am a huge advocate for gratitude, so I love that you've said that. But I just want to sort of dissect a little bit about what you summarized there. So really, what we're talking about here is being proactive towards being happy. So effectively making a decision every single day that through your happiness boosting activities that you sort of thread and put in throughout your day, that you're actually going to have a proactive stance towards becoming happy rather than just kind of 
being passive and going through the motions and wondering why things aren't going in the direction you want them to. Is that a fair comment? Yes, absolutely. So instead of thinking about my happiness depends on external circumstances and my happiness depends on certain conditions that I have to hit before I can be happy, we're trying to change the mindset to happiness is a skill. Happiness is something very important to my success. If I, fair and foremost, will work on habits and skills that help me to be happy, then I can achieve my success. Wonderful. Happiness is a skill. I'm making so many notes, by the way, to the listeners. Like I'm scribbling away so much because I find this so, so interesting. Happiness is a skill. So if you could take anything away from today, you know, I would say that we need to begin looking at some of the characteristics that we see in other people and potentially admire and not just thinking, oh, well, they're just lucky or, you know, they've just, because of external circumstances, like Claudia says, they're able to be like that. Things like happiness, things like confidence, they're all skills that you need to be working on day to day. But how fantastic is it when you have that realization that actually, oh, I, I can learn it, I can cultivate it, I can keep putting in these steps every day to get me towards that thing that I've strived for so much. I think that that's actually, for so many people, a really exciting realization. So thank you so much for sharing that. In terms of people being within their career journey then, so obviously on Achieve With Me, we talk quite a lot about career progression. And I know that this is an area that you specialize in as well. When we look at workplace challenges that specifically women experience, I talk about these quite a lot in my corporate programs where we go through, you know, workplace challenges that we've probably all experienced, but not necessarily recognized or validated at the time. And these sort of workplace challenges would be things such as not feeling like you're being taken seriously enough, not feeling as though you've got um, senior sponsorship to help you progress further up in your career. And I think that so many of these things can impact how happy that you are within your career journey, but also within your your day-to-day work. Can you think of any ways that people can sort of look at the way they're being treated or, or things that are happening and try and use some of these happiness boosting activities to almost overcome situations that are happening like that? Yes, absolutely. So I think as with happiness in life, happiness in the workplace, we cannot control what other people do, what happens in the business, uh, the challenges of projects, working with diverse colleagues, like we just cannot control any of that. So it's very much, again, concentrating our specific influence at work. What is it? that I can be doing to increase my happiness, to support my success. And here is, I would say, four specific elements to look at where you can really reflect on and think if you can increase any of those conditions, any of those components, your happiness in the workplace will also increase. Oh, great. Yeah, this sounds juicy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So here we go. So first of all, level of fairness 
Okay, so we need to have a look at how fairly you feel treated at work, how valued you feel treated at work. The higher the level of fairness, the higher your commitment and happiness in the workplace. The second one is autonomy. Autonomy is about how much influence you have to make decisions daily and be self-directed. So again, thinking about where is the influence and impact you can have, concentrating on what you can change in the workplace, what you can influence will bring you more satisfaction and happiness. Then we have a mastery. And this is very much about using your strengths. So first of all, Are you aware what are your strengths? Are you making sure that other colleagues are aware of your strengths? Are you are known for what you want to be known for? <laughs> sometimes we are <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we are very good at something but we really don't want anyone to ask us to do that. So mastery is about are you aware of your strengths? Are other people aware of your strengths and are you using your strengths daily? Because if you will be using your strengths daily, again, you have that satisfaction boost. Then we have purpose. That is the bigger why. So this is whether you are feeling you contributing to something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So why are you actually doing something It can be any motivation, but understanding that purpose is really important because when things get tough, we can boost our resilience because we have a bigger why that really motivates us. Uh, And I said four, but I actually really mean fifth one. There is a fifth component, sorry. (laughs) So that's sense of belonging. That's your social connection. That's your relationship with people around you at work. The more you believe you belong in the workplace, the more you will be feeling uh, happy and have that satisfaction. And the beauty about this model, which has been introduced by Daniel Pink, is that we can be working daily on each of those elements. Because for instance, we can be really making sure that we're using the strengths on daily basis. We can be making sure that we are within circle of influence and we're having autonomy to be self-directed. So we can be driving those components, making, making them happen to boost our satisfaction and happiness at work. Wow. So I, I love that model, actually. And I'm, I guess I'm looking at this from two ways now. So firstly, to, to the listeners, effectively, this is all going on in the background and contributing towards your career happiness today. So this is kind of all of these points are already making up how you feel about your career or role today. So the second way of looking at it is, could you actually go down this list of points and almost use them to proactively assess, okay, how do I feel about, you know, my level of fairness and how I'm treated? And actually, do I feel like this meets with my purpose? So really looking at using these questions 
to proactively take a look at how happy you are within the workplace and within the role that you're in. And then almost a third thing that you can do then is think, okay, well, what would meet that criteria that I'm not currently doing? So I think that the model is so multifaceted and it's very useful to be able to, A, know know that it's there and know that, you know, it's happening, it's contributing towards how we feel, but also looking at how we can utilise that to almost check in on our career happiness. Does that make sense to you, Claudia? Yes, absolutely. I always use this as a guide to think about my career, how happy I am. I think it's very useful also in situations when you're not happy to think, hmm, what am I lacking? Why? Why I'm not happy? Which one of those elements is not not fulfilled and why and how I can impact that? Also, when you're looking for a new role, it's very much making decisions in line. Okay, if that's new role attractive to me, why is it? What, what is it offering me that my current maybe job is not? Mm-hmm. Is it because I will have more autonomy to make decisions because I will have a bigger team? Is it because... I'll have a bigger sense of belonging because uh, the, the company is much bigger and I'll have that bigger impact. So it's very much making those decisions also of why we're making certain choices. And maybe, you know, it's not always ideal that we will maybe hit all of those components all at once in certain mm. careers. And all but the time the, as well. <laughs> and all the time. Absolutely. That's just being a bit too unrealistic. But um we can then make a very calculated choice of, you know what, in this role, I know that I won't have much autonomy, but I know that my mastery will really increase because I'll be using my strengths Mm. all the time. Whereas maybe in current work, I have the purpose, I have the autonomy, but I'm actually not utilizing my skills and I'm not learning. So I'm not fitting the mastery. You can be making much more informed choices around your career if you approach it from this specific perspective. Yeah, definitely. I can see that straight away. And one of the things that I love to talk about is I'm actually quite an advocate for staying in the organization you're in, if possible, because I believe that quite often a lot of the challenges that come up and a lot of the things that make you consider a move, when you root it all back, it comes down to a lack of communication between, you know, your, yourself and your employer. And one of the things that really stood out to me was, I think it was number four, when you said being aware of your strengths. And so often, We don't self-advocate enough to say, I know that these are my strengths. So you could have a really important strength that you're not actually utilizing in your current role, but your organization haven't actually known that that's something that you're experienced and great at. So they've not put you in any situations where you can really shine and lean into those super strengths that you've got. So being able to effectively articulate the areas that are strengths for you and be able to say, you know, I'm not currently doing this in my role, but I'd love to actually head up a project that would really utilize this strength that I've got, then means you're having a proactive impact um, and input on that kind of change in your career and, and the work that you're doing. So I definitely find that really interesting about being being aware of your strengths because even if you're aware 
it doesn't mean everybody else is. And so often we forget that. We feel frustrated because, you know, our strengths aren't being recognized. Well, have you actually said anything? Have you actually, you know, said that this is something that I'd like to be involved in? And do you see that kind of pattern appearing in the work that you do, Claudia? Yes, absolutely. So I think traditionally learning and development is, oh, my employer is not developing me. You know, I'm here waiting to be developed and you're just not developing me. You're not offering me development opportunities. You're not uh, offering me career progression. And I'm waiting here and materializing in front of me. Therefore, you're not looking after me from that sense. And what we're trying to really work with colleagues on is the change of the mindset that the one that you're really touching here, Rachel, in terms of that strengths is... there will be there is lots of opportunities for development and learning in any organization every single day because we are if you if you are in a position to be challenging yourself if you understanding your strengths you are showcasing those strengths you are proactively taking challenges on to showcase your strengths and utilize them then you are learning and developing every day yes of course as a organization we trying to offer a set of resources for you to boost your development of course in the workplace we have e-learning we have face-to-face workshops we have coaching um just to name a few potential opportunities. But ultimately, it's us working on our learning and development every single day. And colleagues who are able to have that mindset, then you are constantly progressing. You are a work in progress. You don't know something yet. You're learning that and you constantly are progressing. It's not only about progression upwards, downwards, it's a progression about sideways as well. Collaboration across different departments, collaboration across different programs to stretch our skills. Thinking about the career in a, in, in a progression as a straight line, I think is very traditional. Mm. I think nowadays it's very much by sideways. It's a much more squiggly pattern and we just need to be very much open open to that and strengths are so important because if you're not aware what your strengths are then you not advocate for your strengths and therefore that means that you may you get you get to be known for something maybe you don't really you're not really passionate about (laughs) it's so true I'm nodding away here because all of this is just a topic I'm so passionate about I'm so passionate about co-creating your career path with your organization that you're in rather than sitting there wondering you know why you haven't been recognized for the next promotion and also to give a personal example I um I in my corporate role I worked for a technology distributor and I you know I was in a sales role a client manager role for technology products for years and years and so like Claudia is saying, you become known for something that actually might not necessarily be, you know, a, a specific interest or strength for you. Now, it was only when I began exploring, actually, what do I feel like I'm good at and kind of went down a bit of a, a pathway of exploring that independently, that I realized that I wasn't passionate about technology and the way that I had been investing all of my time towards it. 
So do you necessarily want to be known for something that isn't a passion? Or would you rather look at the things that you're genuinely good at that really light you up and then be known for those? So it's just, it's so interesting. And I think that this is a really important conversation that kind of starts those cogs worrying about, okay, if I can have more input into my career path and remove any expectations that I may have previously had about what the next step up should look like or could look like and really focus in on what tasks that I enjoy doing, that's going to contribute healthily towards becoming happy in the role as well because you're choosing rather than feeling as though, you know, something's being put upon you that you don't necessarily have an interest in. So, so much good stuff. And I think just to add to the strength aspect is that, again, traditionally we've been taught to concentrate on our weaknesses because, you know, if that's my weakness, I have to improve it. Yeah. Um, of course, we don't say in the workplace weakness, it's areas for improvement. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of approach. Oh, I need to now direct my energy to get better at something. And of course, that's the case. Of course, it's great if we're working at making our weaknesses maybe less diminishing, less kind of um, undermining us in any way. But really concentrating and having time spent on strengths is time much better spent because if you are really good at something then you'll be brilliant at it and that's what will drive your career forward yeah that's such a good point the way that you described it then because yeah let's say you're good at something and then you've got something that you're not so good at all you're going to do is bring that up to good so you're good across the board but yeah, absolutely investing in something that you're already good at makes it great. And so few people are, are phenomenal at one particular thing. So that makes so much sense in terms of leaning into your strengths and really looking at how you can improve. So I absolutely love that. So much good stuff there. Um, so I guess the other thing that I wanted to, to get your view on really, Claudia, was I um, I love looking at how the perception or interpretation of happiness and fulfillment kind of coexist because I think that so many people think that fulfillment is something that's kind of optional really <laughs> for some reason it's like something that's almost overlooked and I see so often women who aren't feeling fulfilled they don't feel like they're anywhere near aligned with their purpose and I know we've just been through a fantastic framework that really helps them to kind of self-assess and look at where they are today but imagine you're you know a woman who is within a career perhaps has invested quite a bit of time to get where they are today and still isn't feeling like they're fulfilled do you have any advice for where they could begin hmm. Wow, very good question, Rachel. And I think, again, I would be really going back to that model yeah. because I just would be arguing that if you're not finding that fulfillment, then there is a component there that is just not working for you in that specific role. Because this model, it's very widely used to measure employee engagement at work and measure employee satisfaction at work. 
And if you have those five elements in play, then you have high engagement, high satisfaction. So again, I would be just thinking about revisiting those specific components. Mm. Um, Also, I think I wouldn't be going into a road of that happiness is no negative emotions. So I think that's another aspect to kind of really be aware of. It's not about avoiding negative emotions. It's not about faking being happy till we make it. It's none of that. It's, It's just happiness, I think, especially in the workplace when we always will have different type of challenges is much more about balancing negative, balancing the negative feelings we experiencing with the positive ones. Mm. So we have here a Barbara Fredrickson, who is an absolutely amazing leading scholar when it comes to positive psychology. And she proposed a concept of positivity ratio. That is, she says that to maintain positive well-being, we need three positive emotions to every one negative feelings that we're experiencing. Oh, wow. Okay. That's so interesting. I've not heard that before. So, yeah, so that's because negative feelings are much more, they stay for us longer. And yes, we need to be they're very important for us to grow, flourish as well. The negative emotions need to be accepted. They need to be experienced. They need to be processed. But ultimately, if we are below that ratio, three to one, we'll get into negative spiral and we start experiencing burnout. Mm. But if we reach above or equivalent to three to one ratio, we will sustain that positive spiral of happiness. Wow. Okay. That that's so interesting. And I think that, that for any listeners who are wanting to take this a little step further, learn more about how they can be self-assessing where they are within their career and, and begin to, you know, proactively start looking at putting some happiness boosting habits into their day. So would you be able to share a bit more information about your podcast and where people can find you? Yes, absolutely. So my podcast, it's called And Happiness, A-N-D Happiness. And it is about those happiness boosting habits. So as I already mentioned, happiness is a formation of our daily habits. And we discover and we explore the concepts that link to happiness, for instance, achievement and happiness, balance and happiness. So we take a concept in alphabetical order and we're looking how that relates to happiness. We look at authentic stories from people. We look at scientific discoveries around that. But most importantly, we look at those habits, how that aspect can help us to maintain our happiness. Right. Okay. Wonderful. I think that's going to be so valuable for anyone, um, you know, wanting to continue the journey. And like we we were saying, actually, about happiness boosting habits, you know, listening to a podcast about happiness could be one of the habits. So make it part of your day, listen in the car on the way to work, listen when you're doing your makeup or in the bath or whatever. And just try and introduce some of these things to begin to be more proactive in the pursuit of ongoing happiness, not just fleeting happiness. So that's been so, so valuable. And any anything else that you want to share? Any social media links where people could find you? 
So you can find out more on the website andhappiness.co.uk. And of course, uh, you can find Unhappiness on all the major podcast <laughs> platforms. And very much happy also for people to LinkedIn with me. Wonderful. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm truly, truly grateful for you investing your own time to come onto the show today. Thank you for listening and thank you so much to Rachel for having me on, on her podcast. Hope you enjoyed this conversation I had with Rachel about what is happiness at work and how to be happier in our careers. I see you next time for Identity and Happiness, where I will have a special guest, so back to normal, to discuss how stories we tell ourselves and others of who we are shape our identity and ultimately impacts our happiness. I hope you will join me. And in the meantime, I dare you to be happy.